Act Three of Love for Love by William Congreve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One. Nurse alone. Miss, Miss, Miss Prue, mercy on me, marry and amen. Why, what's become of the child? Why, Miss, Miss Forsythe. Sure she has locked herself up in the chamber and gone to sleep or to prayers. Miss, Miss, I hear her. Come to your father, child. Open the door. Open the door, Miss. I hear you cry, hushed. Oh, Lord, who's there? Peeps. What's here to do? Oh, the father, a man with her. Why, Miss, I say, God's my life. Here's fine doings towards, oh, Lord. We're all undone. Oh, you young holotry. Knocks. Odds my life won't you open the door? I'll come in the back way. Scene two. Tattle, Miss Prue. Oh, Lord, she's coming, and she'll tell my father. What shall I do now? Pox take her. If she had stayed two minutes longer, I should have wished her coming. Oh, dear, what shall I say? Tell me, Mr. Tattle, tell me a lie. There's no occasion for a lie. I could never tell a lie to no purpose. But since we have done nothing, we must say nothing, I think. I hear her. I'll leave you together and come off as you can. Thrusts her in and shuts the door. Scene 3 Tuttle, Valentine, Scandal, Angelica. You can't accuse me of inconstancy. I never told you that I loved you. But I can accuse you of uncertainty, for not telling me whether you did or not. You mistake indifference for uncertainty. I never had concern enough to ask myself the question. Nor good nature enough to answer him that did ask you. I'll say that for you, madam. What? Are you setting up for good nature? Only for the affectation of it, as the women do for ill nature. Persuade your friend that it is all affectation. I shall receive no benefit from the opinion, for I know no effectual difference between continued affectation and reality. Tattle, coming up, aside to scandal. Scandal, are you in private discourse? Anything of secrecy? Yes, but I dare trust you. We were talking of Angelica's love to Valentine. You won't speak of it. No, no, not a syllable. I know that's a secret, for it's whispered everywhere. Ha, ha, ha. What is, Mr. Tattle? I heard you say something was whispered everywhere. Your love of Valentine. How? No, madam, his love for your ladyship. God take me, I beg your pardon, for I never heard a word of your ladyship's passion till this instant. My passion? And who told you of my passion, pray, sir? Why, is the devil in you? Did not I tell it you for a secret? God, sir. 
but i thought she might have been trusted with her own affairs is that your discretion trust a woman with herself you say true i beg your pardon i'll bring all off it was impossible madam for me to imagine that a person of your ladyship's wit and gallantry could have so long received the passionate addresses of the accomplished valentine and yet remain insensible therefore you will pardon me if from a just weight of his merit with your ladyship's good judgment i form the balance of a reciprocal affection oh the devil what a damned costive poet has given thee this lesson of fashion to get to my route i dare swear you wrong him it is his own and mr taddle only judges of the success of others from the effects of his own merit for certainly mr taddle was never denied anything in his life oh lord yes indeed madam several times i swear i don't think tis possible yes i vow and swear i have lord madam i'm the most unfortunate man in the world and the most cruelly used by the ladies ah nay now you're ungrateful no i hope not tis as much ingratitude to own some favours as to conceal others there now it's out i don't understand you now i thought you had never asked anything but what a lady might modestly grant and you confess so faith your business is done here now you may go brag somewhere else brag oh heavens why did i name anybody no i suppose that is not in your power but you would if you could no doubt on it not in my power madam what does your ladyship mean that i have no woman's reputation in my power scandal aside oons why you won't own it will you faith madam you're in the right no more i have as i hope to be saved i never had it in my power to say anything to a lady's prejudice in my life for as i was telling you madam i have been the most unsuccessful creature living in things of that nature and never had the good fortune to be trusted once with a lady's secret not once no not once i dare answer for him and i'll answer for him for i'm sure if he had he would have told me i find madam you don't know mr tattle no indeed madam you don't know me at all i find for sure my intimate friends would have known then it seems you would have told if you had been trusted oh pox scandal that was too far put never have told particulars madam perhaps i might have talked as of a third person 
or have introduced an amour of my own in conversation by way of novel but never have explained particulars but whence comes the reputation of mr teddle's secrecy if he was never trusted why thence it advises the thing is proverbially spoken but may be applied to him as if we should say in general terms he only is secret who never was trusted a satirical proverb upon our sex there's another upon yours as she is chaste who has never asked the question that's all a couple of very civil proverbs truly tis hard to tell whether the lady or mr tattle be the more obliged to you for you found her virtue upon the backwardness of the men and his secrecy upon the mistrust of the women gad it's very true madam i think we are obliged to acquit ourselves and for my part but your ladyship is to speak first am i well i freely confess i have resisted a great deal of temptation and egad i have given some temptation that has not been resisted good i cite valentine here to declare to the court how fruitless he has found his endeavours and to confess all his solicitations and my denials i am ready to plead not guilty for you and guilty for myself so why this is fair here's demonstration with a witness well my witnesses are not present but i confess i have had favours from persons but as the favours are numberless so the persons are nameless this proves nothing no i can show letters lockets pictures and rings and if there be occasion for witnesses i can summon the maids at the chocolate houses all the porters at pall mall and covent garden the doorkeepers at the playhouse the drawers at lockett's pontax the rummer spring garden my own landlady and valet de chambre all who shall make oath that i receive more letters than the secretary's office and that i have more visor masks to inquire for me than ever went to the hermaphrodite or the naked prince and it is notorious that in a country church once an inquiry being made who i was it was answered i was the famous tattle who had ruined so many women it was there i suppose you got the nickname of the great turk true i was called turk tattle all over the parish the next sunday all the old women kept their daughters at home and the parson had not half his congregation he would have brought me into the spiritual court but i was revenged upon him for he had a handsome daughter whom i initiated into the science but i repented it afterwards for it was talked of in town 
and a lady of quality that shall be nameless in a raging fit of jealousy came down in her coach and six horses and exposed herself upon my account gad i was sorry for it with all my heart you know whom i mean you know where we raffled ma'am taffle sir death are not you ashamed oh barbarous i never heard so insolent a piece of vanity fie mr tattle i'll swear i could not have believed it is this your secrecy gad so the heat of my story carried me beyond my discretion as the heat of the lady's passion hurried her beyond her reputation but i hope you don't know whom i mean for there was a great many ladies raffled pox on it now could i bite off my tongue no don't for then you'll tell us no more come i'll recommend a song to you upon the hint of my two proverbs and i see one in the next room that will sing it goes to the door oh heaven's sake if you do guess say nothing gad i'm very unfortunate pray sing the first song in the last new play song set by mr john eccles a nymph and a swain to apollo once prayed the swain had been jilted the nymph been betrayed their intent was to try if his oracle knew ere a nymph that was chaste or a swain that was true apollo was mute and had liked to have been posed but sagely at length he this secret disclosed he alone won't betray in whom none will confide and the nymph may be chaste that has never been tried scene four to them sir sampson mrs frail miss prue and servant is ben come odd so my son ben come odd i'm glad on't where is he i long to see him now mrs frail you shall see my son ben body o me he's the hopes of the family i ha'n't seen him these three years i warrant he's grown call him in bid him make haste i'm ready to cry for joy now miss you shall see your husband miss prue aside to mrs frail pish he shall be none of my husband hush well he shan't leave that to me i'll beckon mr tattle to us won't you stay and see your brother we are the twin stars and cannot shine in one sphere when he rises i must set besides if i should stay i don't know but my father in good nature may press me to the immediate signing the deed of conveyance of my estate and i'll defer it as long as i can well you'll come to a resolution i can't resolution must come to me or i shall never have one come valentine i'll go with you i've something in my head to communicate to you scene five angelica sir sampson tattle mrs frail miss prue what 
is my son valentine gone what is he sneaked off and would not see his brother there's an unnatural whelp there's an ill-natured dog what were you here too madam and could not keep him could neither love nor duty nor natural affection oblige him odds bud madam have no more to say to him he is not worth your consideration the rogue has not a dram of generous love about him all interest all interest he is an undone scoundrel and courts your estate body of me he does not care a doit for your person i am pretty even with him sir sampson for if ever i could have liked anything in him it should have been his estate too but since that's gone the bait's off and the naked hook appears odds but well spoken and you are a wiser woman than i thought you were for most young women nowadays are to be tempted with a naked hook if i marry sir sampson i'm for a good estate with any man and for any man with a good estate therefore if i were obliged to make a choice i declare i'd rather have you than your son faith and troth you're a wise woman i'm glad to hear you say so i was afraid you were in love with the reprobate odd i was sorry for you with all my heart hang him mongrel cast him off you shall see the rogue show himself and make love to some desponding cadure of fourscore for sustenance odd i love to see a young spendrith forced to cling to an old woman for support like ivy round a dead oak faith i do i love to see him hug and cotton together like down upon a thistle scene six to them ben legend and servant where's father there sir his back's toward you my son ben bless thee my dear boy body o me thou art heartily welcome thank you father and i'm glad to see you oddspot and i was glad to see thee kiss me boy kiss me again and again dear ben kisses him so so enough father mess i'd rather kiss these gentlewomen and so thou shalt mrs angelica my son ben forsooth if you please salutes her nay mistress i'm not for dropping anchor here about shippy faith kisses frail nay and you too my little cockboat so kisses miss prue sir you're welcome ashore thank you thank you friend thou hast been many a weary league ben since i saw thee ay ay been been far enough and that be all well father and how do all at home how does brother dick and brother val dick body o me dick has been dead these two years i writ you word when you were at leghorn mess that's true mary i had forgot dick's dead as you say well and how well, i have many questions to ask you well you've been married again father be you no i intend you shall marry ben i would not marry for thy sake nay what does that signify and you marry again why then i'll go to sea again so there's one for t'other and that we all pray don't let me be your hindrance in merry god's name and the wind sit that way is for my part mayhap i have no mind to marry that would be pity such a handsome young gentleman handsome <laughs> nay forsooth then you be for joking i'll joke with you for i love my jest and the ship was sinking as we sailed at sea but i'll tell you i don't much stand towards matrimony 
i love to roam about from port to port and from land to land i could never abide to be port-bound as we call it now a man that is married has as it were do you see his feet in the bilbos and mayhap made to get them out again when he would ben's a wag a man that is married you see is no more like another man than a galley-slave is like one of us free sailors he is chained to an oar all his life and may have forced to tug a leaky vessel into the bargain a very wag ben's a very wag only a little rough he wants a little polishing not at all i like his humour mightily it's plain and honest i should like such a humour in a husband extremely saying you so forsooth mary and i should like such a handsome gentlewoman for a bedfellow hugely how say you mistress would you like going to sea Monsieur a tight vessel and well rigged and you are but as well manned i should not doubt that if you were master of me but i'll tell you one thing and you come to sea in a high wind or that lady you mayn't carry so much sailor your head top and top gallant by the mess no why so why and you do you may run the risk to be over such and then you'll carry your keels above water <laughs> i swear mr benjamin is the veriest wag in nature an absolute sea-wit nay ben has parts but as i told you before they want a little polishing you must not take anything ill madam no i hope the gentlewoman is not angry i mean all in good part for if i give a jest i'll take a jest and so forsooth you may be as free with me i thank you sir i am not at all offended but methinks sir sampson you should leave him alone with his mistress mr tattle we must not hinder lovers tattle aside to miss prue well miss i have your promise body o me madam you say true look you ben this is your mistress come miss you must not be shamefaced we'll leave you together i can't abide to be left alone mayn't my cousin stay with me no no come let's away look you father mayhap the young woman mayn't take a liking to me i'll warrant thee boy come come we'll be gone i'll venture that scene seven ben and miss prue come mistress will you please to sit down for when you stand asterner than we shall never grapple together come i'll hold a chair there and you please to sit i'll sit by you you need not sit so near one if you have something to say i can hear you farther off i ain't deaf why that's true as you say nor i ain't dumb i can be heard as far as another i'll heave off to please you sits farther off and we were a league asunder i'd undertake to hold discourse with you and twere not a main high wind indeed and full in my teeth look you forsooth i am as it were bound for the land of matrimony tis a voyage do you see that was none of my seeking i was commanded by father and if you like of it mayhap i may steer into your harbour how say you mistress the short of the thing is that if you like me and i like you we may chance to swing in a hammock together i don't know what to say to you nor i don't care to speak with you at all no i'm sorry for that 
but pray why are you so scornful as long as one must not speak one's mind one had better not speak at all i think and truly i won't tell a lie for the matter nay you say true in that it's but a folly to lie for to speak one thing and to think just the contrary ways as it were to look one way and to row another well, now for my part you see i'm for carrying things above board i'm not for keeping anything under hatches that if you be as willing as i say so in god's name there's no harm done mayhap you may be shamefaced some maidens of they love a man well enough they don't care to tend their disface if that's the case why silence gives consent but i'm sure it is not so for i'll speak sooner than you should believe that and i'll speak truth though one should always tell a lie to a man and i don't care let my father do what he will i'm too big to be whipped so i'll tell you plainly i don't like you nor love you at all nor never will that's more so there's your answer for you and don't trouble me no more you ugly thing look you young woman you may learn to give good words however i spoke you fair d'ye see and civil as for your love or your liking i don't value it of a rope's end and mayhap i like you as little as you do me what i said was an obedience to father had i fear a whipping no more than you do though i tell you one thing if you should give such language at sea you'd have a cat and nine tails laid across your shoulders flesh who are you you heard how the handsome young woman speak civilly to me of her own accord whichever you think of yourself cat i don't think you are any more to compare to her than a can of small beer to a bowl of punch well and there's a handsome gentleman and a fine gentleman and a sweet gentleman that was here that loves me and i love him and if he sees you speak to me any more he'll thrash your jacket for you he will you great sea-calf what do you mean that fair-weather spark that was just here now will he thrash my jacket latin latin <laughs> but when he comes near me mayhap i may give him a saltier for supper all that what does father mean to leave me alone as soon as i come home with such a dirty dowdy sea calf i ain't calf enough to lick your chocked face you cheese curd you marry thee <laughs> and i'll marry a lapland witches soon and live upon selling contrary winds and wrecked vessels i won't be called names nor i won't be abused thus so i won't if i were a man cries you durst not talk at his rate no you durst not you stinking tar-barrel scene to them mrs forsyte and mrs frail they have quarrelled just as we could wish tar-barrel <laughs> let your sweetheart there call me so if you'll take your part your tomlessons and i'll say something to him yet i'll lace his musk doublet for him i'll make him stink he shall smell more like a weasel than a civet cat before i had done with him bless me what's the matter miss what does she cry mr benjamin what have you done to her let her cry the more she cries the less she'll well, she's been gathering foul weather in her mouth and it rains out her eyes 
Come, miss, come along with me and tell me, poor child. Lord, what shall we do? There's my brother Forsyth and Sir Sampson coming. Sister, do you take miss down into the parlour, and I'll carry Mr. Benjamin into my chamber, for they must not know that they are fallen out. Come, sir, will you venture yourself with me? Looking kindly on him. Venture, miss, that I will, that we're to see in a storm. Scene 9. Sir Sampson and Forsyth. I left them together here. What? Are they gone? Ben's a brisk boy. He's got her into a corner. Father's own son, Faith. He'll tousle her and mouthle her. The rogue's sharp set, coming from sea. If he should not stay for saving grace, old foresight, but to fall without the help of a parson. Ha! Odd, if he should, I could not be angry with him. T'would be but like me, a chip of the old block. Ha! Thou art melancholic, old pronostication, as melancholic as if thou had spilt the salt or pared thy nails on a Sunday. Come, cheer up, look about thee, look up, old stargazer. Now, is he pouring upon the ground for a crooked pin or an old horse-nail with the head towards him? Sir Samson, we'll have the wedding tomorrow morning. With all my heart. At ten o'clock, punctually at ten to a minute to a second thou shalt set thy watch and the bridegroom shall observe its motions they shall be married to a minute go to bed to a minute and when the alarm strikes they shall keep time like the figures of st dunstan's clock and consummatum est shall ring all over the parish scene ten to them scandal uh, sir sam's sad news bless us why what's the matter can't you guess at what ought to afflict you and him and all of us more than anything else body o me i don't know any universal grievance but a new tax or the loss of the canary fleet unless popery should be landed in the west or the french fleet were at anchor at blackwall no undoubtedly mr forsyth knew all this and might have prevented it tis no earthquake no not yet nor whirlwind but we don't know what it may come to but it has had a consequence already that touches us all why body of me out with something has appeared to your son valentine he's gone to bed upon t and very ill he speaks little yet he says he has a world to say asks for his father and the wise foresight talks of raymond lully and the ghost of lily he has secrets to impart i suppose to you too i can get nothing out of him but sighs he desires he may see you in the morning but would not be disturbed to-night because he has some business to do in a dream hoity-toity what have i to do with his dreams or his divination body of me this is a trick to defer signing the conveyance i warrant the devil will tell him in a dream that he must not part with his estate but i'll bring him a parson to tell him that the devil's a liar or if that won't do i'll bring a lawyer that shall outlie the devil and so i'll try whether my blackguard or his shall get the better of the day scene eleven scandal foresight alas mr foresight i'm afraid all is not right you are a wise man and a conscientious man a searcher for obscurity and futurity and if you commit an error 
it is with a great deal of consideration and discretion and caution ah good mr scandal nay nay tis manifest i do not flatter you but as sir sampson is hasty very hasty i am afraid he is not scrupulous enough mr forsyte he has been wicked and heaven grant he may mean well in this affair with you but my mind gives me these things cannot be wholly insignificant you are wise and should not be overreached methinks you should not alas mr scandal humanum esterare you say true man will err mere man will err but you are something more there have been wise men but they were such as you men who consulted the stars and were observers of omens solomon was wise but how by his judgment in astrology so says pineda in his third book and eighth chapter you are learned mr scandal a trifler but a lover of art and the wise men of the east owed their instructions to a star which is rightly observed by gregory the great in favour of astrology and alberatus magnus makes the most valuable science because says he it teaches us to consider the causation of causes and the causes of things i protest i honour you mr scandal i did not think you had been read in these matters few young men are inclined i thank my stars that have inclined me but i fear this marriage and making over this estate this transferring of a rightful inheritance will bring judgments upon us i prophesy it and i would not have the fate of cassandra not to be believed valentine is disturbed what can be the cause of that and sir samson is hurried on by an unusual violence i fear he does not act wholly from himself methinks he does not look as he used to do he was always of an impetuous nature but as to this marriage i have consulted the stars and all appearances are prosperous come come mr forsyte let not the prospect of worldly lucre carry you beyond your judgment nor against your conscience you are not satisfied that you act justly how oh. you are not satisfied i say i am loath to discourage you but it is palpable that you are not satisfied how does it appear mr scandal i think i am very well satisfied either you suffer yourself to deceive yourself or you do not know yourself pray explain yourself do you sleep well o nights very well are you certain you do not luck so i am in health i think so was valentine this morning and looked just so how am i altered any way i don't perceive it uh, that may be but your beard is longer than it was two hours ago indeed 
Bless me. Scene 12. To them, Mrs. Forsyth. Husband, will you go to bed? It's ten o'clock. Mr. Scandal, your servant. Scandal, aside. Pox on her. She has interrupted my design, but I must work her into the project. You keep early hours, madam? Mr. Forsyth is punctual. We sit up after him. My dear, pray lend me your glass, your little looking-glass. Pray lend it to him, madam. I'll tell you the reason. She gives him the glass. Scandal and she whisper. My passion for you is grown so violent that I'm no longer master of myself. I was interrupted in the morning when you had charity enough to give me your attention, and I had hopes of finding another opportunity of explaining myself to you, but was disappointed all this day, and the uneasiness that has attended me ever since brings me now hither at this unseasonable hour. Was there ever such impudence to make love to me before my husband's face? I'll swear I'll tell him. Do. I'll die a martyr rather than disclaim my passion. But I'll come a little farther this way, and I'll tell you what project I had to get him out of the way, that I might have an opportunity of waiting upon you. Whisper. Foresight looking in the glass. I do not see any revolution here. Methinks I look with a serene and benign aspect. Pale, a little pale, but the roses of these cheeks have been gathered many years. Oh, I do not like that sudden flushing. Gone already. Ahem, ahem. Faintish. My heart is pretty good, yet it beats, and my pulses, oh, I have none. Mercy on me. Oh, oh, yes, here they are. Gallop, 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 gallop. Hey, whither will they hurry me? Now they're gone again, and... And now I'm faint again, and pale again, and hem, and my hair, breath, grows short. It takes. Pursue it in the name of love and pleasure. How do you do, Mr. Forsyth? Um, uh, not so well as I thought I was. Lend me your hand. Look. You there now, your lady says your sleep has been unquiet of late. Very likely. Oh, mighty restless, but I was afraid to tell him so. He has been subject to talking and starting. And did not use to be so? Never, never till within these three nights. I cannot say that he has once broken my rest since we have been married. I will go to bed. Do so, Mr. Forsyth, and say your prayers. He looks better than he did. Nurse! Nurse! Do you think so, Mr. Scandal? Yes, yes. I hope this will be gone by morning, taking it in time. I hope so. Scene 13. 
to them nurse nurse your master is not well put him to bed i hope you'll be able to see valentine in the morning you had best take a little diacotinine and cowslip water and lie upon your back maybe you may dream i thank you mr scandal i will a nurse let me have a watch light and lay the crumbs of comfort by me yes sir and oh hem hem i'm very faint no no you look much better do i and do you hear oh, bring me let me see within a quarter of twelve hem, hem, just upon the turning of the tide bring me the urinal and i hope neither the lord of my ascendant nor the moon will be combust and then i may do well i hope so leave that to me i will erect a scheme and i hope i shall find both sol and venus in the sixth house i thank you mr scandal indeed that would be a great comfort to me <laughs> Good night. Scene 14. Scandal, Mrs. Forsythe. Good night. Good Mr. Forsythe, and I hope Mars and Venus will be in conjunction while your wife and I are together. Well, and what use do you hope to make of this project? You don't think that you are ever like to succeed in your design upon me? Yes, Faith, I do i have a better opinion both of you and myself than to despair did you ever hear such a toad harky devil do you think any woman honest yes several very honest they'll cheat a little at cards sometimes but that's nothing pshaw but virtuous i mean yes faith i believe some women are virtuous too but tis as i believe some men are valiant through fear for why should a man court danger or a woman shun pleasure oh monstrous what are conscience and honour why honour is a public enemy and conscience a domestic thief and he that would secure his pleasure must pay a tribute to one and go halves with t'other as for honour that you have secured for you have purchased a perpetual opportunity for pleasure an opportunity for pleasure ay your husband a husband is an opportunity for pleasure so you have taken care of honour and tis the least i can do to take care of conscience and so you think we are free for one another yes faith i think so i love to speak my mind why then i'll speak my mind now as to this affair between you and me here you make love to me while i confess it does not displease me your person is well enough and your understanding is not amiss i have no great opinion of myself but i think i'm neither deformed nor a fool but you have a villainous character you are a libertine in speech as well as practice come i know what you would say you think it most dangerous to be seen 
in conversation with me than to allow some other man the last favour. Your mistake. The liberty I take in talking is purely affected for the service of your sex. He that cries out, Stop, thief! is often he that has stolen the treasure. I'm a juggler. That's act by confederacy. And, if you please, we'll put a trick upon the world. Aye, but you're such a universal juggler that I'm afraid you have a great many confederates. Faith, I'm sound. Oh, fee, I'll swear you're impudent. I'll swear you're handsome. Pish, you tell me so, though you did not think so. And you'd think so, though I should not tell you so. And now I think we know one another pretty well. Oh, Lord, who's here? Scene 15. To them, Mrs. Frail and Ben. Miss, I love to speak my mind. Father is nothing to do with me. Nay, no, I can't say that now. It's something to do with me. But what does that signify? If so be that I have been minded to be steered by him, tis as dovish should strive against wind and tide. Aye, but, my dear, we must keep it secret till the estate be settled, for you know marrying without an estate is like sailing in a ship without ballast. Ha, 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 that's true. Just so for all the world it is indeed as like as two cable ropes. And though I have a good portion, you know one would not venture all in one bottom. Ay, that's true again. Then the hep one bottom may spring a leak. You have hit it indeed, unless you've nicked the channel. Well, but if you should forsake me after all, you'd break my heart. Break your heart? I'd rather than Marigold should break her cable in a storm as well as I love her. Flesh, you don't think I'm false-hearted like a landman. A sailor will be honest, though may have he has never a penny of money in his pocket. Mayhap I may not have so fair a face as a citizen or a courtier, but for all that, I was good blood in my veins and a heart as sound as a biscuit. And will you love me always? Nay, and I love once I'll stick like pitch. I'll tell you that. Come, I'll sing you a song of a sailor. Hold, there's my sister. I'll call her to hear it. Well, I won't go to bed to my husband tonight, because I'll retire to my own chamber and think of what you have said. Well, you'll give me leave to wait upon you to your chamber door and leave you my last instructions? Hold, here's my sister coming towards us. If it won't interrupt you, I'll entertain you with a song. The song was made upon one of our ship crew's wife. Our bosun made the song. Mayhap you may know her, sir. Before she was married, she was called Buxom Joan of Deptford. I have heard of her. Ballad. A soldier and a sailor, a tinker and a tailor, had once a doubtful strife, sir, to make a maid a wife, sir. His name was Buxom Joan. For now the time was ended when she no more intended to lick her lips at men, sir, and gnaw the sheets in vain, sir, and lie at nights alone. The soldier swore like thunder, he loved him more than plunder, and showed him many a scar, sir, that he had brought from afar, sir, 
with fighting for her sake. The tailor thought to please her, with offering her his measure. The tinker, too, with metal, said he could mend a kettle and stop up every leak. But while these three were prating, the sailor, slyly waiting, thought if it came about, sir, that they should all fall out, sir, he then might play his part. And just in as he meant, sir, to loggerheads they went, sir, and then he let fly at her a shot twixt wind and water that won this fair maid's heart. If some of our crew that came to see me are not gone, you shall see that we sailors can dance sometimes as well as other folks. <whistles> I warrant that brings them, and they be within earring. Enter seamen. Oh, here they be, and fiddles along with them. Come, my lads, let's have a round, and I'll make one. Dance. We're merry folks, we sailors. We hadn't much to care for. Thus we live at sea, eat biscuit and drink flip, put on a clean shirt once a quarter, come home and lie with our landladies once a year, get rid of a little money, then put off the next fair wind. How do you like us? Oh, you are the happiest, merriest men alive. We're beholden to Mr. Benjamin for this entertainment. I believe it's late. Why, for Susan, you think so, so you'd best go to bed. For my part, I mean to toss a can and remember my sweetheart, before I turn in. Mayhap I may dream of her. Mr. Scandal, you had best go to bed and dream, too. Why, faith, I have a good, lively imagination, and can dream as much to the purpose as another, if I set about it. But dreaming is the poor retreat of a lazy, hopeless, and imperfect lover. Tis the last glimpse of love to worn-out sinners, and the faint dawning of a bliss to wishing girls and growing boys. There's naught but willing, waking love that can make blessed the ripened maid and finished man. End of Act Three